0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour two. Oh, space.com is reporting NASA wants to probe Uranus. Uh, I'm, I know I've already got a colonoscopy scheduled by my doctor. I don't need NASA to, to, to do these sorts of things. Stay away, NASA, stay away. Bad things will happen if you approach that planet. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. I actually want to start with phones, people wanting to talk about student loan issue. Uh, My computer had issues on my side, so people had to wait. They've waited patiently. So the student loan issue, just to recap, the Biden administration is going to forgive $10,000 in student loan debt for individuals who make less than $125,000 a year. Not sure on the authority by which he can do it. Uh, And 65% of Americans never went to college and don't have student loans, and they'll be the ones shouldering the debt. People are not very happy about this, obviously. Uh, Let me take some phone calls here. I want to go uh, first to Claudia. Welcome to the show, Claudia.
1: Good afternoon, Eric, how are you?
0: I'm good, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. This is my second time I've called into your show. My question that I I had three questions for your screener, two of which he answered, and then I thought of another question while I was on the queue. Um, My question has to do with standing. Who has standing to sue on this particular issue? Would it have to be a group of individuals or would it have to be a government official like Senator Cruz or somebody like that?
0: Uh, I, I some taxpayer organizations could file suit, and I suspect the National Taxpayer Union or Americans for Tax Reform and others might be the ones to file suit because it it will make taxpayers individually shoulder the burden for the student loan payments.
1: Well, I've also heard uh, some of the the conversation on the the uh, various shows that um, the legislature is really the one that controls the purse strings, and that. President Biden doesn't really have the authority to instigate institute
0: this policy. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I don't think he does. And, and I think taxpayers, American citizens, can sue and say this is unconstitutional. Uh, I, I suspect you'll see Republican members of Congress uh, sue uh, to be able to stop this. And I suspect you'll find a federal judge who says he can't do this.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that would be good news to all of us but didn't he um didn't he waive some loan forgiveness a while back i think it had to do with schools that had gone bankrupt and no, so actually what it was to, is, uh, is
0: during the during the pandemic they they put everyone into forbearance saying you don't have to pay and we won't accumulate interest uh, mm-hmm. by the way that's the argument that people are using to say this won't increase uh inflation because those people are already not paying their student loan bills, um, but if you talk to the economists about this, they they say actually this will increase inflation because the spending to do this immediately directly offsets the amount of savings in the Inflation Reduction Act to the extent that there actually was any. Um, so it, economists view this as inflationary.
1: Okay, but um, I thought I had heard that somewhere uh, a, a few months ago that uh, he had, he had waived the, uh, uh, loan for, he had given loan forgiveness to students who had gone to certain types of schools that like trade schools, maybe beauty schools that have gone bankrupt and they weren't able to finish their courses and they were kind of left high and dry.
0: Oh, I see. Um, yeah. So this is, um, they wiped out $4 billion in ITT tech student loans, uh, as for profit college chains. Um they were sought to recruit twenty four million dollars from Devry University. Uh so there will be a discharge of two hundred eight thousand borrowers who attended them um doing this elimination. Uh however, they expect to recoup the payments through other means.
1: Well, I'd like to know what those other means are.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it looks that, like they're, they're directly pursuing. So
1: yeah.
0: So it looks like they're directly pursuing the corporation that ran these colleges, and they're essentially raiding the 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 treasuries and the bank accounts of these universities to get the money back.
1: Okay. Well, I hope they get some because I sure don't want to be paying for that too. But thank yeah, you so exactly. very much, Eric. I appreciate your time, and I always enjoy your show. So keep thank up the good you so work.
0: Much. I appreciate yeah, right. it very much. Thanks thanks for calling. Uh, the phone number <laughs> here if you want to be a part of the program is 877-973-7425. Now let's see if I can figure out and finagle my phone system here. Cindy, I want to go to you next if I can. Cindy, welcome to The Eric Erickson Show.
2: Good morning, Eric from Boise, Idaho. How are you? Oh,
0: fantastic. Welcome to the show. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just want to start off by saying that I have been paying student loans through this forbearance and um, I went to college to be a teacher. Um, I could not finish my degree because it required two years of student teaching. And as a single mom, I could not not have a job for two years and not mm-hmm. get, an, get an income. So I was unable to finish my degree. So I currently have an associate's and just need to do my student teaching to finish my degree and get the bachelor's and be able to teach. So I'm currently, you know, making $16 an hour uh, in my current job. And, you know, this is going to be a blessing to me. I know people don't see that. You know, they see it. And I agree. You know, I'm responsible. I took the loan out, uh, and I'm still paying it. I'm responsible with it. You know, so I just see the other side of this. It's going to help me who, you know, is treading water trying to pay these loans back.
0: Yeah, look, I, I I don't dispute that. It, for you, it'll it'll definitely be a blessing and it'll be a help. Uh, and and mm-hmm. also keep in mind though that you're actually at the very like one to two percent of people in right. whom this is probably something where it's worthwhile because according to the Wharton School of Business, the majority, overwhelming majority, about eighty percent of the people who will benefit from this make between ninety and one hundred twenty five thousand dollars right now
2: yeah and i agree that's you
0: know they should pay they should pay it yeah yeah i mean look i I I don't dispute that there are people in your situation listen when i got out when i got out of college and law school my rent uh and then my mortgage were less than my student loan and i was making thirty five thousand dollars a year and we were barely making ends meet and and i get how tough it is and there were a couple times i had to go into forbearance because I couldn't pay my student loans at the time. Uh, and my income mm-hmm. went up over time and I was able to pay and now I'm paying more and we'll be paying another 13 years on on my law school loans. And I hadn't practiced law since 2006. So wow. undoubtedly there are situations and this is kind of what frustrates me here, Cindy, is, is there's your situation where because of circumstances, mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't go through with, with getting the degree, you're working $16 an hour job, You've, you're taking care of your family. And we're Mm -hmm. going to hear a lot about you and and situations like you. And and the media is going to ignore the person who's making $100,000 a year out of law school and is going to get a a forbearance or a debt forgiveness of $10,000. When actually Mm -hmm. the people in your case are less than 5% of the people who will benefit from this. And people in that case are in the 95% of the people who will benefit. That's how the media is going to shape the story. And that's what's deeply frustrating to me.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And those people making that kind of money, you know, need to pay it back. And, you know, I'm making the minimum payments with an income driven uh, repayment. So, yeah, you
0: know, that just, helps
2: a little bit. But
0: It is. And, and it's it's so and frankly, it, it puts it puts people like you in a bad light when you have mm-hmm. s- explainable circumstances, when mm-hmm. really what Biden is trying to do is is give the money to uh, white Gen Zers who are just starting to vote woke, yeah. as a way to, to pay them back. That's the frustration here. Um, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I, I'm, I feel sorry for your situation and that you're entangled in a situation that you didn't ask to be a part of where you'll certainly mm-hmm. benefit. Uh, and I'm deeply furious at the, at the rich white kids who are out of law school and have great first year jobs who are going to benefit mm-hmm. from this in a way that, that, um, no one else is. Uh, I appreciate your perspective, though. Thank you very much for calling. And also, thank I'm kind of deeply you a- jealous you're in Idaho.
2: Oh, it's hot. It's 100 degrees here. <laughs> oh, well, then I'm not jealous at all. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. it's hot.
0: <laughs> Gosh, well. I'm almost well, ready to
2: be in Atlanta.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's actually, yeah, it's cooler. It's cooler here. It's rainy here, but it's cool. Listen, thank you so much. It's good to hear from you. Thank you, Eric. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, You know, guys, I mean, this is, so Cindy's situation here, this is, this is the, the 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 crazy thing here is that there are people in her situation, I think we can hear her story, and you may say, well, she should still pay back the debt. Okay, but also keep in mind, she's like 5% of the people who will benefit from this, and the 95% make above 90 And that's not me, that's the Wharton School of Business. That's their survey of who's going to benefit from this. It'll mostly be people with graduate degrees, not undergraduate degrees. And it'll be mostly people starting out in jobs where they have a high income potential over time. Those are the people who predominantly will benefit, according to the outside observers, who also say this will provoke more inflation. It's deeply frustrating. Amy, you're going to be up next on the program. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey. Hi, my name is Amy. I just want to say this. I graduated from Alabama 1996. Still paying off my student loans. Never defaulted. How many years later, and I still owe $17,000, but my daughter, this is the deal. For me, I did not take a public service job. My parents were immigrants. They didn't plan on us going to college, but, you know, my sister's a teacher, so she got hers forgiven. I was 17 when I went to college, and I just just never defaulted. I own my own business now. I'm a Mm -hmm. recruiter, (laughs) so like globally and it's mm-hmm. just like my daughter she's a senior at university of georgia in biology and she wants to go to medical school but we had like a 529 for her my whole thing is this: how like capitalized interest is no joke you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. there are people that eat pain every time and i'm getting half getting ready to have to start paying again none that is my borrower or my people that manage it And they were, their advice to me was just, you know, for the last $17,000 is just to get a private loan to pay it off because Mm -hmm. I can't, I was a single mother for six years, you know, and so I just, I just made sure I at least made payments, didn't default, things like that, but I can't pay it off. And I feel like it's just, it's really, I think I've paid it off five times in, in the past 20 something years since I graduated. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, your kid knows my kid knows that I had student loans so, uh-huh. but she still wants to go to medical school gotta figure that out you know I feel yeah
0: and like, to to bail out the the they're 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 upper middle class they're not rich but they're upper middle class they have the means to do it and that's such a deep frustration for me here because y'all let, let me just, let me talk about my story real quick and, and I'll, I'll move on to other stuff, but I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I went to law school and at the time, the American Bar Association actively enforced the rule that you couldn't work your first year of law school. So if you went to law school, you had to take out loans for your cost of living as well. So I had a student loan because my parents couldn't help me. I couldn't work. I didn't have savings. So I took out student loans to cover my rent, to cover my food, to cover my gas, to cover my tuition, to cover my books. And then I started working and could save some money and I took less loans the second year and even less the third year. And I got a great job, but the first year was like $35,000. My wife made $19,000. And over for five years, I practiced law. When I left practicing law, I went from 35,000 to about $50,000 in income and was on partnership track. I would have made partner the next year and then my costs would have gone up. If you're a partner in a firm, regardless of what the firm is if you're a partner, you're covering the health care of the staff and the salaries of other people and your own office and furniture and all that sort of stuff. And I, I knew I would be really struggling. My wife would have to work and there were a couple of times I had to put my loans in forbearance and they were more than my mortgage. I still pay $475 a month and will for another 10 to 13 years to pay off about $70,000 in loans. We've paid off all of my wife. We paid off all of my undergrad. Law school is very expensive. And I haven't missed a payment. I, I actually refinanced the loans. The, the loan payment, if I'm honest, is like $400, and I just still pay the old amount, 475 try to get paid it off faster. Then there are a lot of people who could do that. And they're being taught you don't have to, Uncle Sam will take care of you. And it's teaching people they don't have to sacrifice, they don't have to build up savings, they don't have to be responsible because they will get bailed out. And we've been bailing out Wall Street and we've been bailing out the Fortune 500 and we keep bailing them out ever more because we keep creating that moral hazard. And now we're gonna take that moral hazard we've introduced onto Wall Street and spread it across the middle class. We're headed towards deep, dark financial times if a court doesn't stop this, if Republicans don't reverse it when they take the House. And the Democrats are convinced they're going to be rewarded by voters in November. I think voters are going to be furious, and it's really, really hard to pull this issue because it's been a hypothetical until just this moment when President Biden has announced it. And I think there will be hell to pay for the Democrats. Everybody asked me about bowl and Branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh, my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like, I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced it with bowl and Branch where is they were just, like, too light and also not very soft at the Bowling Branch they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bolin Branch uses the highest quality threads on Earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California king. You will feel the difference. And they're 100% free from toxins. No pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC YARA Erick at bolenbranch.com That's BolandBranch B O L L A N D Branch dot com. The promo code is Eric E R I C K. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. If you are interested in local politics and school boards and the like, uh, stick around for the bottom of the hour, please. I wanna play you some audio real quick by Mitch McConnell uh, from yesterday, listen to this. We have a very solid democracy. Um, very little uh, election fraud, there is some. I mean, we've got people in Kentucky go to jail for that. It happens occasionally. But our democracy is solid and I don't think of the things that we need to
2: worry about. I wouldn't be worried
0: about that. Um, um, you know, the media doesn't know how to treat this. They're happy that Mitch McConnell downplayed voter fraud and they're furious that he said our democracy really isn't under threat. They don't know how to play this. By the way, uh, he is right. There is very little election fraud. It, it does happen, it does happen. Uh, it's just very little, not enough to to change the outcome of major national elections. Uh, certainly can benefit, change the outcome of local elections, and people have gone to jail for it. But there isn't really rampant voter fraud in the country, nor is there rampant voter suppression like the Democrats say. Our democracy is fine. We was talking to a buddy of mine last night, and, and he and I disagree a little bit on, on the January 6th stuff, but we both agree that um, grandmother and grandfather – or parents and kids wandering into the US Capitol on January 6th, thinking that it must be open because the crowd has gone in, really aren't a threat to democracy. There were a handful of troublemakers, several hundred troublemakers, who went into the Capitol on January 6th. But there were thousands and thousands of people in Washington DC who just showed up for a protest. And those people are far less of a danger to this democracy than the people who stormed through the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin, overturning police cars and setting buildings on fire. Yet the media would prefer you not to talk about those people at all. They give them a pass. Hello there. It is official. The student loans are going to be forgiven up to $20,000 for Pell Grants now, according to the White House. And you know how they're going to do it? You might want to sit down for this one. You're probably going to be as mad as I am about it. After 9-11... Congress passed a law that law allowed for uh, the president to waive debts during war, military mobilization, and national emergency. COVID is a national emergency today, according to the White House, which allows him to forgive debts. I'm not making that up. When Republicans get back in power, they need to burn it all down. Just burn it all down. This is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Now in Florida, the governor there has been taking a vehement strident stand against the wokes and he's infuriated the partisans on the left who they don't like you to begin with. I don't know if you heard this or not, Charlie Crist uh, won the Democratic nomination in Florida. Charlie Crist is the original orange man He was the Republican governor of Florida who became an independent, then a Democrat went to Congress. He's now uh, the Democrat's nominee for governor in Florida. He won last night in the Democratic primary and today announced he does not want anyone who has supported Ron DeSantis to even consider voting for him. Out of the gate saying, I don't want your votes. What else happened in Florida last night, and keep in mind, Democrats are focused on a special election in a Democratic district in New York that Republicans thought they had a chance at, and they didn't. And the media would love to focus there and not in Florida. In Florida, a series of school boards, including in Sarasota, Florida, have flipped to the GOP. In nonpartisan elections over the issue of wokeism in education, Governor DeSantis spoke yesterday. I want to have the values not of Davos imposed on us, but of places like Destin and Dunedin, where I grew up. Um, things like the World Economic Forum; uh, those policies are dead on arrival in the state of Florida. Uh, we are not going to go down that road. Um. Good for him. Now here's the story. Conservatives across the state of Florida celebrated on Tuesday after control of the Sarasota County School Board shifted from liberal to conservative. Bridget Ziegler, Robin Marinelli, and Timothy Enos were all endorsed by Ron DeSantis and all were victorious on Tuesday in their election for the Sarasota School Board. Various conservatives in the state touted the victories and suggested they represented a shift against critical race theory and other woke policies. Uh, Sarasota school board had a 3-2 liberal majority, according to Christina Pushall, the rapid response director for uh, DeSantis' team, and now it's going to be 4-1 to anti-woke. All three of DeSantis' candidates won. I am told, however, that this happened across the state. 25 of 30 conservative candidates endorsed by Ron DeSantis won. Only five of them were defeated will make the school boards in Florida shift to the right. I was at an event in North Atlanta last night uh, in up in Roswell uh, for a guy you're gonna be hearing a lot about. His name is Rich McCormick. Rich McCormick is a Marine and he's an ER doc. He's white, but he was the president of his class at Morehouse, went to a historically black college. Got his medical degree, decided to be an emergency room doctor, gives back to his community, strong Christian guy, really just a phenomenal human being. And I like him because his wife and kids, he's got a big enough family, they're going to keep him humble. He's not going to be one of those people who goes to Washington and changes. Frankly, he's probably a little more squishy than me on some issues. Um, but that's okay. He's a nice person. He's the sort of guy you want to get elected to Congress. He's going to be a conservative, He's just he's, but he's not going to be one of the biblical donkey conservatives who just wants to go and, and, and troll everybody and own the left. He actually wants to rein in government. He wants to make the private sector work better. He uh, wants to get rid of government regulation. He doesn't want single-payer health care because he knows it will bankrupt the country. He wants to actually bring more free market reform to health care in the country to lower costs. While I was there, there were a couple of people who were not white, who were Republican, who are running for school boards, and they were at the event. And they're running because they care passionately about their children's education. And I heard Rich speak last night, and he was saying that it's a good education that in many communities makes the difference between a job or incarceration. And he's right. You give kids a good education— Those kids can go out and join the workforce and be productive members of society and they don't need bailouts from the federal government. They build strong families and they propel the future of the country, many of them from immigrant families, and they come here for the American dream and they don't want that dream taken away. We have a problem where the left gave up on teaching our kids. They gave up on teaching our kids. Instead of wanting our kids to learn their ABCs and one two threes, they want them to learn the transgender unicorn and the degrees of diversity on the intersectional spectrum. They don't want good citizens. They want brainwashed wokes. First, they tried with Common Core. Common Core, they've changed the name, but Common Core essentially. Many schools still use Common Core math. Frankly, in my state of Georgia, I think it's a failure that uh, many school systems in the state have not abandoned the Common Core standards altogether and gone back to traditional math and reading. Common Core teaches kids not to be entrepreneurial in their thinking, but to be good worker bees for the Fortune 500, to minimize competition for the Fortune 500. You don't have thinking skills. You just work on your memorization skills all the way through school. You never learn how to analyze. You never learn how to apply. You never learn how to to quantify. You just memorize. You follow the procedure. It takes you an entire page to do a basic arithmetic problem instead of just, just a little bitty square of the page. It's a terrible system, and yet our school system is perpetuated. Here in Georgia, it's a failure of the Republican Party in the state to advance school choice. I'm telling you that a war should be had from national groups. They should come to Georgia and wage unmitigated holy hell jihad against Republicans in the state of Georgia over the issue of school choice because it's not the Democrats in Georgia blocking school choice. It's the Republicans, and the national group should come into the state and burn the whole thing down if they don't give it to them absolutely destroy, savage, and a character uh, vilify the Republicans in the state of Georgia if they don't bring in school choice. Make this your mission. And there are local people who are standing up around the nation, like in Florida, like in Georgia, like in Texas, like in Kansas, Arkansas, North Carolina, who are tired of the wokes using school systems to indoctrinate their kids. In Forsyth County, Georgia, the media is vilifying a group of moms who went to a school board and began reading books from the local library. They got silenced by the school board because they were reading from books that were available to their kids. And the content of the books were so inappropriate that they couldn't read them at the school board meeting. And they're asking, if we can't read them publicly, why should they be in our elementary and middle school libraries? And they're vilified by the press as book banners. They're not book banners. Their issue is not that the book should be banned, but that they're age-inappropriate. And yet the school system hides behind words to, to avoid accountability. You know, it used to be a critical race theory. Now it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Who could be against diversity? Why are you against inclusion, you bigot? They just changed names like what they did with Common common cores the common core. Now it's the constitutional core. The constitution of the child is important and we must educate them. It's not, it's not common core. You hick and rube same with critical race theory. They just changed the name to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how dare you be opposed to diversity and equity and inclusion. You bigot, they make you the bad guy for standing up for your kid. More and more parents are doing this. And I want to give you some advice. I wanna give you some advice. First of all, if you're running for a local school board, understand the power of knocking on doors. Go to your local board of elections, get the list of voters in your county, get the list of registered voters. Follow along with me here, you can get it from the Secretary of State's office as well. It's a very big file, you can ask for just your county. And you pull it up and you find the people who vote in midterm elections. Because we're in a midterm, don't find the people who don't bother with the people who don't vote. I know you want to go knock on the door of everyone and convince everyone to vote for you, but why? Because they're not all going to go vote. So don't waste your time on the people who don't vote who register but they've never voted. Don't waste your time on that person. Don't convince yourself that person's going to turn out for you. You're wasting your time. You, you've got you've got a limited number of days. You have a limited number of resources. You have a limited amount of money. Find the people who show up and vote. If you're a Republican, you can sort these lists and find the hard and soft Republicans. What are they? The people who tend to turn out and vote in Republican primaries. Maybe they just vote in presidential election years in Republican primaries, but they vote Republican. Those are soft Republicans. Maybe in every election they always show up and they vote in Republican primaries. Those are the hard Republicans. Go find them. Knock on their doors first. And tell them, I'm running for the school board and I need your vote. I'm running because I want my kids to be educated, not indoctrinated. I want my kids to learn the basic skills with which they can get in life to advance their career. I don't need them to be indoctrinated in someone's social viewpoint. I need them to get a good education so they can get a good job, so they can become a future taxpayer, so they can continue this country's greatness. Go knock on those doors. In fact, with these lists, if you know how to use zip codes, you can sort the list so you can walk neighborhoods easily, skip the houses of the people who are hardcore Democrats because you can find them too on the list because they're probably not going to vote for you. They're probably in favor of the wokes. Find the people who only vote in general elections who never vote in partisan primaries. You can find those people on the list. Knock on their doors after you've knocked on the hard Republicans and the soft Republicans and sell them. I'm here. Because my kids need to get a good education. Your taxpayer dollars, whether you have a kid or not in school, goes to fund education. And I feel like our school's left behind. To the hard Republicans and the soft Republicans, make it about wokes. To the independents, the people who vote but they never vote in partisan primaries, make it about the future. You don't have to give the same message to everybody. The same message to everybody is off-putting to some people. If they're not partisans, you want your message to be about improving education, literacy standards in school. Our schools have fallen behind. Our schools left kids behind in the pandemic. If they're hard Republicans, it's really about the wokes and the culture and indoctrination, not education. You've got to tailor your message to the people who are involved. And if you go to your local board of elections, you can find out how many people are in each precinct. And go back to 2018, not last, not two years ago, but 2018. See how many people voted in that precinct. Go down to the school board races. How many people stayed in the ballot booth to the school board races? Find that number per precinct because you can get them by precinct. And that's the number of people, whoever won, that's the number of votes you need to get. So go knock door to door, precinct by precinct between now and November. Meet the hard Republicans and the soft Republicans. Meet the independents. Go to the soft Democrats too. If it's a nonpartisan race, at least go introduce yourself to the hard Democrats. Just make sure you understand you're dealing with people and you can motivate them to turn out against you. So you need to tailor the message to, this is about our kids' future. It's about education. It's about making sure they get their reading and writing and their arithmetic. It's about being involved as a parent because my kids are in the school system. Emphasize that, your kids are in the school system. You can win these things. Look at Florida. 25 out of 30 conservative school board candidates endorsed by Ron DeSantis, won in Florida, overwhelmingly shifting Florida school boards to the right. Learn your precincts. Get the voter file from the Secretary of State if you haven't already. Find the hard Republicans, the soft Republicans. They'll be labeled HR and SR. Find the independents, they'll have no partisan label. The soft Democrats, SD, the hard Democrats, HD. Start with the hard Republicans, make your way through the independents, knock on their doors. Figure out the number of people per precinct who tend to turn out and vote in in school board elections. Because you know 100,000 people may turn out in a precinct, but only 50,000 stick around for the school board races on the ballot. Focus on the people who vote in those races. Focus on the 50,000. Get as many people to turn out and vote for you as possible. It is possible to take over school boards in this country and fix what's happening in the country. If you're involved and you're on the ballot, do these things, and you have a great chance of winning. Now, If you're losing in your 401k in your retirement plan, I got another way for you to maybe win, at least to curb the losses in the Biden economy, is to call my friends at GoldCo. If you've got retirement and you're curious about using precious metals to help in your retirement, GoldCo can probably help you figure it out. In fact, if you call them at 855-904-5933, you'll get a free wealth protection kit from them to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for Colin Gold Co., Call my friends at Gold Coast, see if you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation, stock market crashes. They want to help you. See if they're a good fit for you. 855-904-5933 is their phone number. 855-904-5933. Or you can text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Text that to the number 33777. I will send you back Gold Coast number. Call them, tell them I sent you. Just see if they're a good fit for you. If nothing else, get their free wealth protection kit. 855-904-5933 or text ERIC to 33777. Yep, here it is. The Higher Education Relief Act for uh, Relief Opportunities for Students Act of 2003. The Heroes Act of 2003, which was designed to forgive the debts of those who went to war for the United States after 9-11. Uh, will be used, uh, according to the Secretary of Education's General Counsel. Uh, The HEROES Act uh, authorizes the Secretary of Education Authority to reduce or eliminate the obligations to repay the principal balance of federal student loan debt, including on a class-wide basis in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. They're using an act designed to forgive the loans of soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're using that legislation to forgive student loans. Absolutely absurd. Um, So I got a caller. Now, Steve, I, I, I hope you can hear me. I've only got a minute here. And my producer... And call screener, Charlie says, I'm no more student loan. We've got too many student loan calls. You've had enough. Not gonna take any more. Well, then Steve called in. And let me just read you uh, what my call screener has written. Uh, Holy crap, this is an insane story about student loans. I said no more student loan calls, but oof, you should take this call. Unfortunately, I got a minute and that's not enough time to talk to Steve. So Steve, if you'll be patient, on the next, on this next, after the next break, I'm gonna come to you and we'll talk about your story. And the rest of you right now, I want you to think about all of your friends and family, your children or grandchildren or your neighbor's kids who went and fought, some of whom seriously wounded or died in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I want you to understand that Joe Biden is using the law Congress passed in 2003 to forgive those people their student loan payments as a way to forgive people's student loan payments because of COVID-19. Honest to goodness, at this point, metaphorically speaking, Republicans just need to burn down Washington, DC. Pour gasoline, strike a match, walk away and rebuild on the rubble. If they're gonna do this through that law, it's just too broken. Might as well burn down and start over. This is infuriating. This is morally reprehensible. They're getting you to shoulder the debts of others.